Welcome to another episode of our podcast. We're recording this actually early in the day, and we're hoping Sean will be around to post this. Today is Tuesday, and we want to get right into our podcast. Uh, just a few podcasts ago, the title of the podcast was No One is Spared, and we had a very sobering reminder of that today, Adam. You know, one of the things I love about our Facebook group is people can post on there if they need support, if they want to uplift somebody. I mean, our, our the Facebook group is incredible. So this morning, I saw our publicist, Jane, who published our book, uh, had posted she needs our help. And uh, she lost her nephew, uh, passed away, 21-year-old young man, passed away in the middle of the night last night. And, um, you know, our, our hearts go out to you, Jane, uh, our thoughts are with you. We're here for your support. Anything that we can do for you, we will do it. Uh, and I know how hard it is to lose people. Um, so with that being said, I know a lot of people in their Facebook group are also sending out their love to you, Jane and help. And the, one of the great things about our Facebook group is such a great community is that we all feel comfortable with sharing personal things like that with each other uh, because we know there's so much, we all have been through something. And so we all understand and we're all there for your support. So uh, once again, Jane, uh, we're so sorry to hear that. I know you're, you're struggling with it and anything that we can do for you, uh, please let us know. Lots of love. Yeah. Lots of love. And a good lead into our, to our guest. Y'all notice we have a guest on here and Adam and I have long talked about, um, having a spotlight of our optimists. And Charlene is one of one of our optimists. And uh, she came in the Facebook group um, a couple weeks ago, shared her story, which was tragic. And then a couple days ago, she shared a little bit more about herself. So let me show you this before I, I turn the time over to her. I want to show you um, what she posted for those of you that aren't in the Facebook group. Feel free to join us, of course. Um, but this is, this is Charlene with her three beautiful girls. They live in Tennessee. Those of you in the Facebook group have probably seen this, but you can see that post. Um, we love this, but Charlene's story is so compelling. One of the things that, um, y'all have been very generous with me and with Adam with, with the tragedy in our family. And one of the hardest things for us to wrap our head around was people we love killing people we love. Um, that's just a tragedy no matter whose life it's in, but that's also part of Charlene's story. And we asked Charlene to, to briefly share her story and then how she's, how she's dealt with that. Charlene, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, pretty much my story, a brief, like a very brief synopsis of what happened was um, when I was four, my brother was murdered by Armand, and he was 12 at the time. And at that time, I was very unsure what had happened. I had walked in, found the murder scene, and was scared. And I didn't know how to respond to the tragedy itself. Um, so that's pretty much what happened when I was little. Hello, Joe. Hold on. Did you say you did you say that you were twelve and your your brother was four? Your brother was four. No. Your mom killed your brother. No, he was twelve and I was four. Sorry. Oh, he was twelve. Period. Walking in on that scene, I can't. My mind can't go there. I can't imagine that, Shirley. 
So we all have those moments in life where we walk into something or see something that we're just in shock right off the bat. You're in shock over it. So when you're four years old, um, what what happened at that point? You So were you at home and w- did you see the murder or you just saw that your brother was dead and your mom was in the room? Right. No, what had happened pretty much is I went upstairs because it was the middle of the day. It was July 13th in New Orleans. So it was a very hot day, middle of the day. I guess one of his friends came over to play, according to what the news articles have said. Uh-huh. Uh, either way, I was like, you know, my brother's not awake. I was the annoying little sister, wanted to wake up my brother, ran upstairs, pulled the pill off his head, and realized he had been smothered. And at that time, I don't remember much. I do remember finding him um, because that's a scene that, as y'all know, will not go away when you see anything to that if you know extent. Mm-hmm. I ran downstairs screaming. The next thing I know... The, the next thing I know is I remember the cops staying there guarding the stairs saying, you know, you can't go up. And I remember crying to the cops saying, you know, let me go wake my brother up. I just want my brother here. Mm-hmm. Or something to that extent. Or extent. And um, after that, I don't really remember much of anything else. Oh, poor respect. Well, certainly you've been dealing with that basically your your entire life. And you, sh- you shared your mantra uh, with your post on the Facebook, uh, the Facebook group, tell us about how you dealt with that since then. We're looking. Uh, I imagine you've been looking for silver linings. Have you found any from uh, such a tragedy? If you click on it, it'll open up. Um, but so, sorry, so, say that again. Sorry. But how have you been able to deal with that since then? And have you found any silver linings? Right. So growing up, I had a very long, I guess, um, grief period. I went through a lot of survivor's guilt, which I'm sure y'all understand that one. Um, And I went through a lot of anger. And there was a lot of animosity within the family. And there's just a lot of tension and stuff. And so it took me a while to really come to my senses to where I could really process what I'd been through. Of course, I was a teenager, you know, a kid and then a teenager and getting through all that. And it was very hard, especially because I didn't have the best support system. Um, But then I went in the military, went through a divorce. And then after that is when I was able to focus on myself. And that's when I, you know, kind of the clarity came and I wasn't, I can't really say I forgave my mom, but I was able to focus on the present. And that's where this mantra comes into play. Um, I realized, you know, no matter what happened in the past, I can't go back and change it. So I have to focus on today and I have to focus on myself and the kids and to remember my brother by living my life to the fullest because I'm living my life not just for me but for him as well um and so that's where I'm kind of at today yes I still have like a roller coaster you know a roller coaster of grief where like some days it's really bad some days you know I'm happy and you know living carefree but yet every day I'm reminded of what I went through and how far I came to where I'm at now and so that's pretty much where I'm at and um you know I just like I said I'm just living my life 
for my brother right now because he never got the chance to live. He was only 12. I got a couple of questions. One is you mentioned something that you said you you were going down this pattern and then you said, I got to focus on myself. And we hear this a lot with people who like are divorced, for instance, you're divorced and you're like, I'm not going to date because I really need to focus on myself and figure out who I am and how do I, how do I better myself? So when I go on my next relationship, I can be a better person, those kinds of things. Exactly. So when you said you got to focus on yourself, what kind of things did you do um, to focus on yourself, to improve yourself or to get out of that one frame of mind that you had and get into the frame of mind is like, I got to start living in the present. Well, that was kind of a journey in itself. So, um, honestly, I, you know, went through a pretty bad divorce right before that happened, a really bad separation, a lot of pain and stuff. And I was already still dealing with the, um, suppressed pain pretty much from all my childhood. So there was all kinds of pain and anger and stuff that just all came together at once. So I went into a really deep depression after I separated and I ended up back in therapy. And luckily I came to have a great uh, psychologist who has helped me through a lot of it. But in the process of working through the pain, the anger from both, you know, my childhood plus my separation, I, um, how up. I, sorry. That's okay. Um, with that, I pretty much was like looking, you know, going through boxes and stuff around this same time. Let me back up a little bit. I was going through boxes around the same time of dealing with all this past anger and aggression and stuff and stuff that I had unpacked from the military. And when I was unpacking those boxes, I found stuff from my past, which is like pictures of my brother and newspaper articles from my brother's death and all that. And so that kind of, you know, all that played a part in coming together um, and helping me work through my past. So it took me a lot of working through my past with a psychologist and just having time at home to, I guess you could say, meditate in a sense. Uh, because I realized I couldn't focus on myself or focus on my past or even get through any of the hurt without being having that alone time. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, I hear that. I hear that a lot when people say, well, I got to focus on myself. But then you don't hear like exactly what did you do to focus on yourself and how did you get to where A to B? My other question is, so when was your mom convicted of killing him and went to jail or your, or your mom? She was, she, she was charged with second degree the day of the death, okay. um, but in to jail, she went through a trial, uh, about a year and a half later and ended up getting, uh, I believe involuntary manslaughter. I know it was a manslaughter charge. Um, and she, of course, you know, appealed that and went to the Supreme Court and they kept the same conviction. But with that, she only served nine and a half years and she got out actually in 2000. So she's been out almost 23 years now. So at that point, I just want to go back because I, I want to understand your pain and where you came from your in your childhood real quick. So that happened. Your mom went to jail. Did, did your dad raised you basically? 
Um, a lot of what happened with my brother had to do with alcohol and drugs. Okay. Um, and my dad at the time was a very bad alcoholic as mm-hmm. well. Um, and so he was not really in the picture at the time. But when he found out what had happened with my brother, um, he had actually signed over his parental rights. And I ended up living with his sister and brother-in-law in Tennessee. And that's how I made it to Tennessee. Okay. And, but it took over two years of state's custody before they were able to move me to Tennessee. So you had a lot to deal with at a very young age uh, and to overcome. And then, by the way, thank you for your service as well, joining the military. That's that's another great thing. I heard, you know, Rex has been in the military. I've heard a lot of great things about people who go to the military and learn different things, and it, it helps with, with stuff. But it's an incredible story. I mean— you know, I always think about my family situation and, and, you know, people always feel sorry for me. And I was like, I'm telling you, there's other people that it's not just me. There's other people that deal with these tragedy stories and you as a kid and then growing up and then being a teenager and having all these things is so much to, to take in at that young age. Uh, it's a miracle that you're here, in my opinion. I mean, I, you're, I applaud you for, for all me being where you're at now. And being able to talk about it with this group of people she didn't know a month ago. <laughs> yeah. And only knows by posts, by social media posts. And, and I, will, I will congratulate you, too. You only have one um, therapist. Rex has three or four, so you're doing great. You only have one, so that's good. Well, I've had quite a few over my lifetime, but, you know, I had to change from childhood to adult, so, you know, there's a big change. I've also been in this grief process for 32 years and you know, the difference between ours, you know, the complexity of yours with all, with everybody involved compared to, it was just me, you know, and my brother. I mean, there's, you have a lot more going on with yours and it's a little bit more drawn out, but it's still, that's why I reached out to y'all, to you guys, because you know, it's, there's a lot of difference, but yet there's a lot of similarities. So I felt like I could connect with, you guys and i guess that's what i'm on my mission to do now is kind of help others that have been through similar situations because growing up i never had i don't think anybody understood my level the complexity of the grief i was going through because it wasn't as widely talked about or if like for instance for me it was like you know i was the sibling not a lot of siblings survived when there was kids murdered and so I have it, you know, I see it from multiple aspects and I just wanted to reach out because like I said, I, it doesn't happen very often. And I found if I can support people that have, or that are currently going through it, then, you know, it, at least I can try to help somebody else or say, you know, tell somebody that, Hey, you're not alone. Cause I'm going through it as well. And it's something that you'll never get over, but yet I'll be here if you need to talk because I can understand to an extent what you're going through. Yeah. And that was a, that was the reason that I started writing the book because I didn't want families to go through what my family went through. And I told Rex, I was like, look, if I can just help one family avoid what my family did, then the podcast, the book, everything is, is worth it. Do you still talk to your mom? Have you talked to her? Have you ever confronted her about any of this? Because people always ask me, well, you go talk to Lori and, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that go into my, my thinking with that. Okay. So as a teenager, when she, 
Okay, so girl, well, let me back up. Look, growing up with my aunt and uncle, they didn't want me to talk about it. They didn't want me. They said, you know what's happened? Happened. Your mom murdered your brother. That's that. Uh, leave it alone. Don't talk about it. We don't hear it. And so I guess that's part of the complexity of why my grief lasted for as long as it did because I didn't have that support system. And not saying they're bad people because they're not. They raised me. They gave me the support I needed. But it's just I could not work through my grief. Um, And, the, you know, so that was part of it. But I did not have contact with that side of the family from the age of like seven onto the age of, and they go with 17. And lovely, the lovely internet came out. And so I was able to find my grandmother. And that's how I was able to contact that side of the family again. Because mom and uncle said, as long as you're living under my roof, we don't want you talking to them. They're bad people, which they're not. But that was their, that's what they thought because they said, oh, your mom killed your brother. So the whole family's bad. And that's, you know. I'm sure y'all get that too. I, I, we, we know exactly how that feels. We get left out all the time because of it. So yeah, I understand. Right. And so they they categorize the whole family as one because of one bad apple, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so in 2000 and, hold on, 2003, I believe, is when I contacted my grandmother. And she had told me that, um, hey, your mom's out of prison. Do you want to talk to her? And so I didn't get in contact with her. Um. But it was just a very awkward situation. Um, and then actually when I went to training was the first time. I, when I was at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, I went for some uh, job training for the military. And I saw him for the first time, but she was very demanding, very narcissistic, very pushy. Um, and so I tried to, you know, talk to her and have a relationship with her, but I didn't. Um, I just, I couldn't after that. And then... I came back from Iraq because I was deployed to Iraq in uh, 2007 to 2009. And I came back from Iraq in 2009 and I uh, went to New Orleans because that's where she was on her probation. And I went and seen her with my then uh, two and a half year old daughter and my husband at the time. And it was just a very awkward situation, especially her being around my child. And I'm just like, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll I thought maybe it was just my own, you know, just me being creeped out because I knew what had happened. Um, but then she took me for the first time to my brother's grave. And that was the most aw awkward situation because she was all happy and smiling and trying to say all this good stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm not getting the best conversation, you know, the best uh, feelings. <laughs> feeling, yeah, yeah. Best conversations or feelings from that. Uh, and I was like, I just, I can't, I can't do this. So I didn't really talk to her much. I kind of blocked her because she was always like, you know, um, why don't I do this for you? Why don't I do that? And then when I tried to block her, she would try to find me and try to tell me that, oh, I didn't kill your brother and I didn't do this. And this is the reason why. Well, it was just really weird. It was just like, because I wasn't giving her what she wanted and she was trying to tell me, oh, I'm innocent. Uh, and I'm like, you know, you went through pretty much two trials and you're still found guilty. I'm like, and my gut instinct is saying, yeah, she's guilty. Um... And then I actually came in contact with her a couple of years ago. Uh, my grandmother passed away, which is her mom. And I went down to the funeral and it was the most awkward experience ever. Um, it was a Catholic funeral and I'm, I know y'all are religious, but it was a Catholic funeral and we were all dressed up really nice. And she came in jeans and a t-shirt that said lucky because it was on St. Patrick's Day. And I'm just like, you're, you're in a Catholic church. You grew up catholic why are you going to be dressed yeah i mean she had the means for clothes and stuff like that and so i just kind of really felt awkward 
And so um, it was just weird. And then after we had a family meal and she pretty much told us, um, me and my cousin and a few other people that were at the table, you know, she was pretty much just talking about my brother and I, and we're here for her mom. And I'm like, why don't you talk about grandma's stories? We try to redirect the situation, but she got talking about me and my brother, me and my brother. And um, then the next day we were going over to my grandmother's house and she was trying to say, uh, here, she was taking pictures off the wall and stuff like that and trying to give me some stuff and that was my grandmother's or that was, you know, a picture, there was a picture of me and my brother that I wanted and she peeled a picture pulled a picture of her and my brother off the wall and gave it to me he said here do you want this and I'm like sure you know whatever just whatever and then so after a few minutes my family walked around the corner where they couldn't you know weren't right there and she can she knew she had me so she pretty much cornered me to try to tell me oh I'm innocent I've got the paperwork downstairs I'm gonna go get it and I just stood there because I was in like the fight or flight like I I was in freeze I could not move I couldn't do anything and I was like this is just awkward you know and then I finally told her I was like look I don't I can't and I walked away crying and that's the last time I worked to her and that's probably the last time I will talk to her I just I can't she's very self-centered very narcissistic and I just I can't be around it Charlene that's wow the tragedy just continued and I love I love that while you're talking about it we're all looking at your mantra being reminded of how you dealt with it that is just miraculous it's miraculous you're here it's miraculous you're able to share it we're going to keep our promise to you i know charlene came to us on a very tight schedule and we told her would would uh, get her out of here and talk wait what's more important than this podcast charlene where are you going where are you leaving us <laughs> i am actually in college right now i'm going for clinical psychology with a minor trauma resilience Oh my gosh, look at yeah. you. That's amazing. I've thank got a couple more minutes if you need a couple more minutes. So. Well, no, no, thank you so much for joining us because we could go on and on and on for quite some time. So you better not get started with allowing us more questions. Well, yeah, because I, I will I will go for an hour and a, I will go for three hours asking questions just because I'm curious about how everything went down. But first, A, Thank you for having the courage to watch our podcast and then also be part of our Facebook group and then also make that post. That took a lot. So we want to thank you for that. Uh, Cause but Rex and I both read that. And I was like, can you believe there's more people that have things going on in their lives than just us? A lot of people have that. So for you to do that and where you're at right now in your life with all the things that you've been through, I mean, you're, you're a rock. So just remember that. And we're all family. I would love to do this. Next Thanksgiving, we should get everybody together and have one big Thanksgiving dinner with, you know, with all the optimists. I think we should have an optimist Thanksgiving somewhere, and I think we all come together. I mean, give everybody big group hugs because I think we all need them. Right. That would be amazing. I've never been out west, so I'd be glad to come out there. So. Yes, let's have it out west. I like the I like the weather in Arizona. It's incredible here. Oh, I love the I love warm weather. So yeah, I'd be up for it. Well, we'll let Charlene get to class and we'll let Adam get started on planning this because it's going to be quite an event. Are you kidding? I'm going right to Lindsay. I'm going right to Kimberly. I'm going letting all of all the optimists like plan this. Thing. I just come up with the ideas. I'm terrible at follow through. No kidding. <laughs> thank you, Charlene. Thank you, Charlie, for sharing with us. All right. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. All right. You too. Bye. Okay, Adam, we have a couple other things we need to uh, talk about in the last couple minutes here. First of all, I want to um, 
we've always said when we make a mistake, we, we own up to it. We made a mistake the last uh, live just in the way we titled the live. The live was very enjoyable. But the title we put on it, looking back on it, was, is, it reminded me of clickbait a little bit. Oh. Because we said um, bombshell speculations. The bombshell, of course, being the news that uh, of Audrey uh, Baratiero's, uh, what she had said apparently to someone that Lori saw Joe Ryan's last breath. The mistake we made is we thought everyone would want to talk about it. And when we talked about it and we, and we said, y'all can go ahead and speculate, no one dared. No one asked questions. No one got in. We, we got crickets. We planned that, and then we got crickets. So, uh, oh, it may be the way we led into it or didn't lead into it well, or it may be that people didn't want to talk about it. But I should have changed. We choose the, we choose the title of the lies beforehand. I didn't think of it. So it went up, and one of the readers called us out very politely, very nicely, but called us out and said that wasn't really speculating about the bombshell. You only talked about it three or four minutes, you know. And you and I didn't have a lot of speculating with it, so um, we got that wrong. The title. I'll go in and change the title. Of course, too little, too late uh, on that one. But if you are interested in talking more about it, let us know because we're having another live this Friday, Adam. I don't think we've uh, decided on the time. Let's decide right now. So these. People will know. This Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. What's a good what, time? I, I'm I think I'm pretty open on Friday. Let's go early afternoon then and give the you know the Europeans a chance to not not have to stay up late. Wait, do Europeans uh, they don't they don't they don't get into Thanksgiving, do they? No, they don't have that. I was like, gonna say. So it would be nice for them to uh be able to hear it just in the early evening. But they may have Black Friday shopping because that's worldwide. That's on the that's, world. That's, that's the death. Yep, that's it. So shall we say two o'clock Mountain Time? That's four for the East Coast, and so okay. So yeah. I, and you'll see postings on that. Um, so we'll do that. And by the way, the reason we're doing a live on Friday because I told Rex I said, well, it's Thanksgiving. Maybe everybody wants a break from us and do that. So. Um, I just posted on our on our uh, Facebook and said, "Hey, does anybody are is anybody going to be around on Friday? Do you want us to do a live? Because I figure people will be with their family, they'll be busy, they'll be going all shopping and all that. But we have a, a good response of people's like, no, do a live on Friday. We we're, we want you to do one, so we're going to do it on Friday. Yeah, we weren't planning to do it, and uh, but the response the response was definitely, um for us to do it definitely positive at least yeah. at least for a few of us that don't uh have other plans so however many can come and join us please please do this friday 2 p.m mountain time four eastern one one pacific time and also being the thanksgiving thanksgiving time we were going to have this podcast um a little more thanksgiving oriented but but i'm very glad charlene could join us in, instead, but I'll I want to uh, turn your attention to a post that Kimberly put up um, on Saturday. Those of you that are part of the group saw saw this, and if you are part of the group, I wish you um, could. It'd, it'd be worth it to join just for this one post. She called it "Silver Lining Saturday" and asked people to put their 
silver linings for the week on there. That that's just what we're about, and that's just such a thoughtful thing to do. And several of you commented on that post about your silver linings. Please keep that up. Please support. Keep supporting uh, Kimberly and Linda in the in the Facebook group. Again, that's that's not me and Adam. That's y'all that have created that. Keep that going. We try to keep up. We try to post when we can. Um, my wife Lisa has has jumped in with both feet and has spent several hours and missed some work because of it. So she's had to pull back just a little bit. It does get it does get addicting when you get on there. And it's and by the way, it's called Tylee and JJ Silver Lining Podcast Community. If you're on Facebook and you and you actually watch our podcast, I think we're almost at 800 people into our group. And the more, the merrier. I feel that you know, there's more support, there's more people, there's more positive posts, there's more of all those things. And I did get this. Um, Lindsay is putting together a 12 days of Christmas for people to win presents and prizes uh, during Christmas time. Uh, Rex and I just saw the list of things that our optimists are going to either win. Um, and I, I really enjoy uh, some of those prizes. So I think some, some of them are very cool. Some of them not as the, not as valuable as others. Some things for me and Adam. So yeah. We'll see. So one more announcement as we as we outro here. Um, we're going to have another meet and greet in the Phoenix area. We're looking for a Barnes and Noble that will host us. So but it will be either Friday the first of December or Saturday the second of December there in the Phoenix area. So we'll have a book signing, a meet and greet, and do a live podcast. More details to follow. Adam anything. Oh. That's a, I, I, that's three things in a row. So if you want to come to Phoenix and have vacation for that weekend and you live somewhere else, this is, a, is it next weekend? Yeah, pretty much two weeks or something, less than two weeks. Yeah, a week from this weekend, about 10 yeah. days. All right, make your plans. We'd love to see you and sign your book for you and do a live with you and let you ask questions. We love all those things. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We'll see you in a live this Friday at... Uh, 2 p.m. Mountain Time. Yeah.